space-time, the ever-expanding frontier. These are the records of the most needlessly complicated rewatch of the Star Trek franchise ever. Its mission, to locate every second, contemplate every eon, from outside time to the Big Bang, to the 20th century, all the way to the end of all existence. To do what no sane entity has ever done before. This is the Temporal Trek Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Temporal Trek Podcast. Uh, this is Season 3, Episode 40 of the podcast, as we are still in the 22nd century, and Season 2, Episode 14 of Enterprise. And we are going to Stigma. Um, yeah. It's an Enterprise episode, and we're going to discuss it. Uh, I'm trying to remember how we do this. We've had about two weeks off for Easter. Um, of course, I am not alone. With me, as always, is... Dan. The other Dan. The the second Dan. Are you first Dan and I'm second Dan? We're a know. Dan. Maybe. Two Dans. Yeah. Dan Dan. Dan Dan. There we go. Um, I don't know. Yeah. We're, we're just we're just Dans. Just Dans together. We're Council of Dans. <laughs> I do need to find some more dance to come on the show just so we can really make it confusing yes. and then just keep it going. Yeah. Um, but how have you been? I've been very well, thank you. How about you? I see your invent- adventures on Twitter. <laughs> Lots of stuff going on, which is nice. Uh, as I say to the audience, we've had a bit of a break in between dawn and coming back for Stigma. We've had about two and a half-ish weeks, which is our Easter holiday over here in the UK. I understand that the Americans don't actually have that. They don't really? do a big Easter thing, oh, considering really? like how strong catholicism mm. always seems to be in american culture at least i always thought that they would make more of a thing for easter um, like the you know like the italians do and and yeah. most of europe but apparently not they just treat it like an everyday weekend there's no extra day or anything so mm. hey <laughs> yay for us yes. <laughs> we, have a, we have a weekend off um but yeah we we went away to uh, dorset which is uh, the lower end south part of our country um lots of jurassic coastline beautiful you know geological marvel of the jurassic coastline where a lot of dinosaur fossils are found and you know the 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 beauty the the majesty of nature herself and it was summed up in one line from my eldest saying it's just a bunch of rocks that's it <laughs> that's the 11 year old opinion of yep. nature and geology hmm. Um, so that's what I got up to. Oh, and also uh, some Rocky Horror business, but we'll probably talk about that later in the episode as well. I see you shiver with anticipation. Dan, uh, what have you been up to for the two-week break? Well, um, I've been to football a couple of times. That's one of mm-hmm. my things. Um, not that I really want to talk about it because it's awful and uh, looks like my team's going to get relegated. Oh, um, no. And is this the, the Jills or is this? No, no, I'm a Wimbledon supporter. Ah. AFC Wimbledon. And we're having what can only be described as a bad season. <laughs> oh, bad um, patch. There's two games to go and we need to win both of them and hope some other results go our way. And then maybe we stay up, but I can't see it. So, yeah, so as much as I enjoy going to football, it's not been the most enjoyable football to go to. <laughs> <laughs> you, you might say that, you know, there's there's something that you really enjoy, but you're not enjoying it as much as you should be. Absolutely. Perhaps like this episode of Star Trek? Um, so, Stigma, um, yes. is this an episode you remember? Not really. I sort of do. I, I, I think I, I remembered the idea of it, but I don't didn't remember the content at mm. all. 
I remember there was something about Topol being ill and stuff, and I think that actually comes up a few times through the through the series anyway. So maybe I got mixed up, you know. So it was one of those episodes that no, I can't say that it was um, high in my mind. Mm. Yeah, I, I know that um, Topol's illness really comes into its own on season three. Mm. You know, this is something they pick up, and there are sort of. Um, issues that she can't get hold of the medicine she needs and things like that. I seem to remember that coming up in, in what's to come. Um, and I seem to remember an episode where we got to meet one of Flox's wives. Yes. So that was oh, yes, in yes. the memory bank, you know, that was yeah. there, but the actual details of this episode were gone. I, yeah. I think I, I don't know whether I blanked it out because I didn't like it or it's just doesn't really have much to say. It's a funny one because, um, I'm a, I'm with you. I don't think I dislike this episode particularly. Hmm. Hmm. It's not, you know, it's not a sort of um, a seventh or anything. No, you know, no. But it's it's a bit of a episode. It's a bit of a. It's one of those episodes again where not a lot happens. Yeah. Or it feels like that. You know, there's a lot. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, you know, I don't know. Maybe I just need sort of pew pews and fighting and stuff, <laughs> and I've sort of lost. I lost my sort of. Um, What's the word? Intelligence and, and to actually watch a, <laughs> a sort of intelligent, thoughtful episode. Because I think I did see something. I, I think it might have been another podcast that I was listening to, where they said it was this was a thing that Paramount did with a number of um, different series about sort of the AIDS epidemic mm. or the AIDS sort of uh, crisis as such, okay. and um, it was an attempt to sort of deal with this in a sort of a way, and it, it was done across. A few different uh, series. Oh, okay. Um, so, like, you know, a, like a sweep, sweep sort of thing. Like they had that theme for the week, and then all of their yeah, shows almost were all... like that. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, as I say, I did. I heard it on a podcast. I think I can't remember the details of it, but it was interesting. And mm. um, you know, it is. It is definitely an allegory episode. Mm. There's no doubt mm. about that. You know, I mean, with you know, clearly they're they're, they're aiming for something. Mm. Um, so it's is you know it's it's not a bad episode, but it's just one of those ones that it's just a bit. Mm. But we'll see. Maybe by the end of it, I'll be I'll be uh, ranting and raving about its greatness. <laughs> yeah, like uh, again, it's one of those episodes where you can see that there was a clear message they want to go for, and yeah. if it was part of this overarching sort of strategy that Paramount wanted to do. I can see where that was coming from. Mm. You know, uh, you know, you want to destigmatize yeah. a social issue. Brilliant. That's what it does. That's what Star Trek does. Star yeah. Trek is political, despite other people oh, saying otherwise. Don't say that, man. I know. Star Trek's political. It's crazy. Um, but it's it's one of those things where Star Trek, or at least Enterprise, has this idea and then puts something in the episode that mm. it, it doesn't necessarily devalue it, but it just takes the emphasis away. And it feels like they wanted to make more of the comedy story than they did of the actual A plot. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know whether they did that to maybe soften the blow, but I f it just felt like whoever's hands were on this making the episode really wanted to do the trip comedy of errors thing going on and not the big, deep, proper Star Trek episode that it could have been. And yes. yes, we are going to have to talk about those those scenes, and I'm really we sorry. Are. Yes, um, <laughs> I've got stuff to say about that. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Again, it's one of those times where I'll hit record and I'll just walk away. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, without further ado, we might as well get into the episode then. Let's do it. 
Uh, we start zero minutes, zero seconds. There's no timey-wimeyness as we locate the episode or the point in time. Um, I quite like the cold open. It mm-hmm. seems very simple, very effective. It's just a panning shot towards T'Pol. Yeah. Flox is talking off in the background. I kind of wish that we'd seen Flox and there was a bit more mm-hmm. of a two-hander, like there, there was a bit more interaction. But I really like how it just slowly pans in. She 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 fidgets. She, she's sort of uncertain of herself as she's being told that the medicine is not working on whatever this ailment is. We aren't told what it is at the moment, but there is something going on. And it sort of then just goes tight onto her face as she realizes there's a problem. Uh, We learn that there's a conference. We learn that Flox might uh, go down to the surface and give an intelligent way of asking for some research without giving it away that she is suffering. And it cuts to credits. Any thoughts on this open? Yeah, I, I sort of agree with you, really. I don't think I've got anything to add. I mean, the only thing it was that Flox's voice did sound like it was done very much after the event, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it did sound like he was recording it in the booth. <laughs> he was actually talking to one of the pets, and yeah. she just came out from behind the curtains like, you're talking to me or the bat? I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, is it the osmotic eel this time? I, I don't really know. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Yeah, it was very uh, different and she seemed like she was reacting to a recording. Yeah. Just very, very, very strange. But yeah, I think it set it up. It sets up the premise and it sets up uh, the fact that it's going to be a a Jolene Blaylock centric episode and and her character is going to have a a big thing to do. Yep. And it kind of, in my mind sets up, right. This can be 15 minutes of deep emotional pain for to possibly some sort of Vulcan societal cultural breakdown, uh, we've got the title stigma. There's going to be something yep. that's Star Trekky about this episode. We're going to debate something. It's going to be philosophical. There's going to be nothing to completely remove or pull the rug out underneath this. Uh, but, oh, wait, we come into the next scene. Um, after the credits, we come in. Um, first of all, Archer, you gave another bloody supplemental log. <laughs> we are trying to make a Temporal Trek podcast, and you are not giving me the bloody dates. Uh-huh. It's been 10 bloody episodes without a bloody date. Um, sorry, sorry, sorry. That's, that's <laughs> Just trying to remember, we're working in a time frame here. But uh, we get to meet Feasel and we, we do. have a, a visit from Flox's wife. Yeah. Um, I really like the interactions. I like the, the whole greeting where they're smelling yeah. pheromones. It's a nice, again, it's more culturalism. You know, it's yeah. getting to see how they work as a society. Um, Archer, it seems to be a return of sort of, teenage archers like mm. oh how, how long's it been flocks yeah. how long's it been yeah. four years you haven't seen your wife oh oh do you, do you want to have some time together do you oh <laughs> suit you sir <laughs> um he seems very gleeful about having to get them to to spend some yeah. time um but there's also that awkward gif i don't know if you saw the gif i don't know how you say it um but where it's like Archer looks at Trip and then Trip looks at Archer because they've just smelled their pheromones and they're kind of like a bit weirded out. Yeah. I see it on Twitter all the time. I had no idea oh, really? it came from this episode. I thought it was something else um, where it's just played backwards over and over again where they're just being really awkward with each other. <laughs> um, but yeah, we we get to meet Feasel and she is straight in with yes. Mrs. Robinson and yes. the graduate and, <laughs> and she wants Trip. Uh, any thoughts on meeting Feasel? Well, my initial thoughts were good because I really like, I mean, we've spoken about this, I really like Phlox. And the mm. idea of seeing a bit more of the, the Noblelands is really, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's quite, I, I really would have liked to have seen this happen more often or, you know, maybe visit Denoblia 
Denobler, mm. um, that sort of thing. But yeah, I mean, I suppose I'm going to jump around a little bit because we've started to speak about Fiesel and, and so, you know, and um, she is, it's just, it's Berman and Braga, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's got Berman and Braga written all over it. The yep. whole thing of it. I mean, I think maybe what they were trying to go for was this idea that, you know, that, that Topol is being, being sort of, what's the word? Being sort of placed into a box as, a deviant mm-hmm. and and it's almost like it's almost like um brave new world mm. you know that i the way brave new world is and it's it's set so differently to our sort of our values i guess or societal mm. norms mm-hmm. and it's trying to do that and sort of maybe but the way it's done is so poor and so so teenage boy in his bedroom mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that it just doesn't work it's 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 a shame because you know it is it's, we're, what they're talking about is you know different cultural norms and different ways of being and stuff and you know and and there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing sort of the, the idea of that is a good idea in in a star trek story mm-hmm. it's just the way they do it yeah it's so sort of i mean i mean what i mean like if if you did that with with trip doing that to feasel mhm what would be the the reaction to that, you know? Yeah. And and it's a bit like that, you know, it's, I mean, yes, she does have different societal norms, but these are an intergalactic species. They are used to dealing with other species. They are de- used to dealing with species that are different to them. Mm-hmm. But there's no attempt to sort of say to him, look, you know, in our culture, yes. you, know, we, you can do, you know, there's no, there's not the sort of, you know, the sort of thing about being married and all that sort of stuff as there is in yours. You know, I really like you. Would you know? Would you like to take it further, sort of thing? There's not nothing of that. There's no sort of thing to let Trip know that actually this is totally acceptable in their culture. And you know, do you know what I mean? It's also mm-hmm. sort of creepy, and you know, it's exactly the words I've got written on my notes as well. Is it really? <laughs> but this episode is a sequel to Fusion from last year, mm. and I really like that it is placed now, and it's a year on yep. that Flox has been dealing with this in the background for all of the other episodes we've seen so far, yep. and now because the treatments aren't working, it sort of brought everything to a head. And in that Fusion episode, we dealt with a creepy Vulcan who was pursuing to pole, yes. getting in her face, taking up her space, being there, and subjecting her to his sort of interrogation and trying to whittle her down until she gave in and started practicing a mind meld. Um, In this, I don't see that there is any difference in the way that they are delivering Fiesel's character, the way she gets into Tripp's personal space. She stays there. She is constantly touching, feeling, um, you know, at one point rubbing his leg in full view of everybody. Um, You know, there is nothing wrong with polyamory. Um, you know, there, there's all of that, that, that aspect of their culture yep. to delve into, but it is such a stereotypical uh, older woman uh, hunting the younger man yes. trope that it's delivery. You know, you could have had a really sexually empowered character in mm. Fiesel mm. who, like you say, um, sits down and says, look, I am very attracted to you. I come from a polyamorous society. It yep. doesn't matter the flocks is here. Um, in fact, he would actively encourage it. 
the fact that he's been serving with flocks, he should already yeah. know this anyway. Yeah. Um, it, it just feels like all the tension, all the drama that comes from him dilly-dallying around, should I mention it to flocks or not, that doesn't matter because he already knows what society they come from. So having yeah. her be so predatory yeah. in the same way that the Vulcan infusion was predatory, yeah. it undermines the idea of a polyamorous society. Yes. And it, it, it almost goes for this undesirable nature like you say oh look at those polyamorous people they're constantly in your face they want to have sex with you all the time no they don't they want to have yeah. sex with a select group of people because yeah. they like different people all at the same time fine but they don't necessarily want you and yeah. that seems to be the big problem i have with it it's that they take a polyamorous person yes and i've met many different polyamorous people um and I, you know they, they're not constantly trying to jump you <laughs> you know it just feels like that undermines everything and it's almost as though it's playing into a stigma just like the vulcans do yeah. with with mind melders and it and i i kind of feel like if that's where they wanted to go there should have been a crossover that perhaps um trips you know uh anxiety about you know get, getting with feasel should have played into uh the undesirable uh conversation that was going on with the Vulcans and saying, look, in this society, they are um, promiscuous. They, they want to um, you know, uh, sow the seeds, as it were, and be with as many people as possible. Um, and in your society, you're talking about mind melders who aren't allowed to spread their desires and be with other people. And we don't condone their activities. I feel like if you were going to go that route and have these mm. two stories, it should have overlapped and perhaps had yeah. Fiesel convincing the Vulcans that you know having two societies clash together and she realizes actually she should have maybe taken it back a step ask first then pursued and she said i've recently had to question my way of thinking maybe you should question yours i think that would have been a really powerful message to have is that people from different societies questioning each other whereas opposed to they just had these two separate things they had a really good star trekky story in the vulcan story yeah. and a really uh, badly presented yeah. story with the denobulans but there we go ah oh. oh. oh, it feels so much better to get that out ah oh, there we go um but yeah i mean we go down to the conference uh in the next scene um dodgy cgi vulcans yes i was gonna say something about this yeah there you go <laughs> it's just it, it feels very very different Mm. Enterprise. I'm trying to think. It reminded me of something I couldn't quite place, but it was yeah, it was really odd, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. But the the look of it, the whole thing of it, was very different to anything we've seen in Enterprise. Yeah, and it was really odd, really noticeable. You know, like, I don't know. It was like, yeah, it was almost like CGI for the sake of it. Yeah, you know, like, oh, we, we can, can put some banners up and we can have people walking around and you know. But yeah, it was it was a strange one that yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's nice that it's not a repeat of a matte painting uh, like we've had before. You know, when we saw those people who were clearly stuck in a time loop eight months yeah. apart and they were yeah. having the same meeting on the same balcony. At least doing it all CGI, you could have something different every week. You know, you could have yeah. uh, uh, the that conference is always ongoing and it's a different setup. But yeah, it felt like I was playing The Sims or. Mm. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe it's Grand Theft Auto cutscene where yeah, it's just showing yeah, yeah. you where they're walking through and then they're going, um, but it's so uh, I don't know just stilted the way the the, the CGI runs. Yeah, and 
I know it's 20 years since this was made and obviously CGI has changed, but yeah, it was very weird to see. Um, almost they could have done stop frame animation. They could have done plasticine and I think it would have worked just as well. Um, Flox is then asking for this Panar syndrome research and he's trying to say that it's a very similar disease to thymic sclerosis on Genobula and that perhaps your research could impact ours. Now, it's an interesting play because obviously we don't ever find out the answer to this, but surely the Vulcans at one point could go back and say, well, let's have a look at thymic sclerosis and is it actually similar in the first place before they go through all the subterfuge that they go through to finally get a data and stuff. I had have to assume that Flox knows that there is a similarity between the two. Yeah. But if that's the case, why not use your thymic sclerosis research mm. and not even bother? It just seemed very strange that yeah. if there's already a disease on Denobula that's similar to Panar. What are you really going to learn that you couldn't you know, get that from? Um, and we then learn about subcultures and yes. an undesirable part of the population. Yes. Only 1%. Lots of words being used in this scene. Yes. Um, any thoughts on the Vulcans and flocks? Um, yeah, I think you're right about the, the, um, the disease. I can't, I can't pronounce it, but, um, mm, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I'm assuming there must be similarities because it would be so risky. I mean, it's very, very risky as it is. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, it doesn't surprise me at all. They worked it out pretty, pretty sharpish because you know <laughs> it doesn't take a lot of thought. I mean, you know, so you've got a a um, Vulcan officer, and you're interested in a Vulcan disease, but it's got mm-hmm. nothing to do with your Vulcan officer, <laughs> right? Okay, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, and you need this information right now. You couldn't yep. just like send a subspace message to Vulcan asking for it to be sent on to Denobia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, the Vulcans, I mean, they're being very Vulcan, aren't they? You know, mm. just typical. They're such a horrible bunch at this point, aren't they? Yeah. You know, from what they become in the sort mm. of, in, I suppose, in, in TOS in a way, but certainly what Spock becomes in TOS and, and what we see going forward. You know, they're just such a horrible, horrible bunch of people, aren't they? <laughs> you, you, oh, they're just, Yeah. So they're just typical Vulcan. Yeah, that's all I can say about them. Yeah. I mean, they've moved on from just being an annoyance and uh, sort of hoity-toity, better, holier than thou, to being outright just horrible. Yeah. You know, we probably call them a Brexiteer now. You know, mm. they're, they're pretty, pretty single-minded about everything. Uh, they just don't want you or your subculture being anywhere near their perfect society. Do you know what? This is a bit of a, a, a British reference or a reference for our British listeners, but I think maybe Pretty Patel could be Vulcan. Oh, yes, that's very true. She's got that yeah. sort of, you know, that absolute certainty, that sort of cold mm. horribleness. I wonder if she'd moved the whole subculture to Rwanda. Maybe. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I must, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you can imagine, you know, she <laughs> would fit. True. I think she would fit in quite nicely, really. She really yeah. would. Yeah. But then we've, we've managed to talk about this before. I mean, Reed mentioned it back in Shuttlepod 1 that what if the Vulcans had met the British first? Mm. You know, would they have actually found them quite delightful um, and almost the same? Yeah. Um, I, you know, <laughs> if, if Star Trek is about questioning your society and your morals and your values, are the Brits just a really annoying Vulcan? Um, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, I don't know. There, on is the world a, stage. there is definitely a strata of British society that I feel like there is. Maybe yeah. they're just Tories. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to go. think we're part of the one percent, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. But there is definitely a there is definitely a, a a bulk of British people that would fit nicely into that reactionary, <laughs> judgmental, self-assured, <laughs> horrible Vulcanness. Yeah, I would be one of the dirty, dirty mind mental melders. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Oh, suit you, sir. Oh. Yeah. Get get me some mind melds. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but ah. Oh. Yeah, they're just just horrible. I, it really destroys any love for the Vulcans in this episode. Like previously, all of their offishness, you could see that they've been in space too long and they've seen it all before. They've had other races that have let them yeah. down. The humans seem to have this little spark that is intriguing, but they've they've left it to it. And yeah, they're, they're just a really um, offish, older species. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this one just, they were really horrible. Using the word undesirable. I think that's the one that really got me. Just knowing the the, the weight of that word and having yeah. a society where you have undesirables because yeah. of the way they were born, yeah. not because of what they're doing, but because the way they were born. Yeah. And as much as they try and say that in the episode, is like we don't condone their actions; it's their actions that are the problem. No, it's because they, if, yeah. yeah, that's their genetics that you've got a problem with. It's really interesting isn't it? because again, what we're seeing, and we see it so often through Star Trek, how emotional. Yeah, Vulcans are because that you know they really are. That's very emotional. You know, it's very sort of angry and you know and sort of bitter and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and and, and you know they they are the most emotion. I think they're the most emotional race in Star Trek in lots of ways. Mm. And they um they you know obviously they 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 don't say they're not emotional. Well, it's really weird, isn't it? Because they used to say we're not emotional. Yeah, but now I think it's a bit new, more nuanced. Where actually we're very emotional, but we control the emotion. But they mm. don't. They what they do is they control the emotion in a sort of expressive way, but mm. not in an internal way. Internally, you know, they're they're very emotional about stuff. They're very, you know, they're in this this instance they're very judgmental. They're very angry. Mm. You know, but they don't show it on the outside. But you know. And it's really it's it's a strange one, you know. It's it's funny like that that actually the Vulcans, you know, it's a very bitter thing to do, you know, to to ex, you know to exclude people in this way is a very sort of it's a very yeah it's a bitter thing to do I think. Mm. You no. Know? And to use the word undesirable, yes, it's a strong to, word, isn't it, it? A desire, you know, it that there is an it is an emotional thing. It's, it's something that they don't want in their society. Mm. It's not that they're, you know, because they are born this way and because they can do this thing that is destructive to society. You could see the argument of, you know, 2000 years ago, our destructive tendencies almost killed us. This is just another extension of that. This is a destructive way of life. You could almost see that word playing through, but undesirable is just such a loaded phrase. It is. Um, and and not wanting to have something in your society mm. is is such a dangerous road to go down. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's hard to see how the Vulcans could come back from this. And I know that Enterprise will deal with this in yeah. season four and everything like this, but it's a big hill to to yeah. climb up, to move away from that, to come back to, uh, uh, you know, like you say, with Spock, uh, a, a character that we not only love, but is possibly one of the greatest characters of the entire franchise. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he comes from this, this world that sees things as undesirable. It's mm. very crazy. 
Um, moving on, unfortunately, back to sickbay, and we've got some more Feasel scenes. And again, we get more creeping. This is where the fusion stuff really came in for. Oh, so uh, she's getting closer, and she moves in. You, you need to get closer to see this. Oh God, yeah. Oh, that's and, the problem with it. That's the oh. problem. You know, again, you know, uh, I won't go over it too much, but you know, it could have been a really interesting storyline. But this sort of teenage simpering laugh, you know, ooh, 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 look at the older woman, look at the, you know, the woman, mm-hmm. all, you know. It just ruins it. Any potential for it to be interesting and being, oh God! Yeah, you're a confident young man. You can pull yeah. it out now. Yeah. Put the larger God, end yeah. in the oh, in yeah. the aperture. Oh, God. oh my God! <laughs> oh, shoot you, sir! Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like I love a good innuendo and double entendre. You know, uh, as problematic as they might be there are some carry-on movies that i cannot stop creasing up and howling at (laughs) they are designed to be that way and they are almost a parody of themselves yeah when you are doing it in a scene and taking it seriously oh god it's just the worst (laughs) not it, it it doesn't ruin the episode for me because again we are seeing a sexually liberated woman on the screen and she is desiring this man and she is talking to him and I kind of feel like if Trip had been playing along with it and he knew that, you know, because of their society, she would be more sexually open to it. I don't think I would have a problem with it. But because he is so clearly and yeah. very unlike Trip that we've seen up to this yes, point, not going along with it. Um, you know, again, like I say, Dawn was a new dawn of an age for me. And I'm starting to like Trip again. Really liked his reserve in this. I thought mm-hmm. it was really nice. And it, it showed a growth, a character growth that, you know, hang on a minute. I've been pregnant before. I've <laughs> I've been with a princess before. Maybe I should slow things down, especially considering it's the wife of one of my best mates, my crewmates. And so I liked that there was a character progression there. Um, I did like, actually, there was a scene uh, or a moment where he said, um, I can take apart and put together any piece of equipment, and that's why Archer hired me to do this. One, it, it, finally, you know, he is the the engineer that he was supposed to be, even though we still don't know if he's unclogged those uh, intake valves for the last 10 weeks, just saying. Uh, but I actually thought it was a callback for our first flight when we looked at the 2132 um, uh, episode, where uh, you know, I thought it was just because he could run a Starship from a laptop. I thought that was the only reason. I didn't think it was anything to do with taking things apart, but there we go. So we've never really seen why Archer hired him, but I thought it was a good good explanation at least. Uh, but yeah, it's just such a creepy scene. And uh, um, Anything else you want to say about um, Mrs. Robinson? I mean, Feasel. Not really. I mean, I think I've, but I mean, again, you know, maybe what, what we needed was a bit of two, a more, more than one tone. Mm-hmm. You know, she's, you know, she comes across as a predator. Mm. And I don't think that's what she, that is how that, it would be really, I mean, I don't know, you know, what would Denoble in society be like, but, you know, people are able to deal with each other on a sort of, you know, day-to-day level. And, and you know, some people then, then things develop for, you know, with, you, you know, you find you're attracted to someone or whatever, you know, but you still have to deal with people in in the real world if you know what i mean and that must be the same situation for them they must have to you know go to the shops and buy stuff without mm-hmm. you know without raping somebody mm-hmm. do you know what i mean and and so yeah. they need you know if you're going to do this you needed more than one tone this sort of horrible predatory tone you know mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be every scene 
you know, do you know what I mean? That, that, I think that's yeah. the problem is that she's so one, one note that it just it becomes horrible. You know, you know, whereas you could, even if it was something like, you know, it didn't, you know, this first, well, this sort of second scene with Feasel and, and, um, and trip, you know, she still wasn't sort of, you know, and it sort of builds up over a, a couple of scenes. Mm-hmm. You know, that would make more sense, you know, but she just sort of dives in full on creepy, you know, sort of touchy feely, you know, Jim will fix it style. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. You know it really I mean? is. It is. It's very much seventies, seventies predator look, isn't it? It's, you know, it is. Yeah. You know, if if you were sort of, she was on the ship for a while. You know, people would be like, oh, just you know, keep away from Feasel because you know she's a little bit. You know, she's. I mean, when I was a kid, <laughs> this is a bit off the rails, but when I was a kid, you know, there was always the bloke down the road that you know your parents sort of said, oh, you know, just you never explained. It was mm-hmm. never said. But you know, there's always the weird bloke down the road. You know what I mean? And it's a mm-hmm. bit like that. She would be that was what she'd be if if she was on the ship for a week or so. Everyone would be like, you know, yeah, avoid the weirdo. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And it, again, if they're trying to meet the this demand for whatever week they were setting up to build, deal with HIV and destigmatizing this, it's such a 2002 way of looking at polyamorous people. Yeah. Exactly. As predator, as predators, yeah. Yeah. it's such a letdown, and it, it plays into the stigma then of sexuality yeah. and sensual feelings, um, by by just yet again reinforcing this idea that you know, oh, they sleep with so many different partners, so they want to sleep with you. Exactly. No, they don't. No, exactly. they don't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, such it's a, a bit. It's a bit like that thing, you know, with sort of blokes, blokes, and mm-hmm. and gay men. You know, yes, they're all convinced but- that. Yeah, every gay man wants to sleep with them. Well, you know, yeah. I've got some news for you that they probably no, don't, they don't. You know. No, exactly. You know, and and so you know, she didn't need to be that way. She could be confident and all the rest of it without being a predator. Yeah, you know, she could it's just such a letdown. It is. It is. It's a shame. Um. Well, we move on to a conference yes. scene, and we get the conference room. So we're going to move on because it's just it really yeah. does feel the same way. Um. So Paul and Flocks are brought into the conference room. Archer yeah. is then moved on, and we then realise that the doctors have rumbled them and they've worked it all out. Their colleague on Denobula, yeah. and we get Melders, almost yeah. used as a, you know, it's almost like half-bloods from Harry yes, Potter. Indeed. You know, it's, it's that sort of yeah. way of looking at things. Um, we don't condone their behaviour again, and hands her a pad. Mm. Now, this is where I want to sort of come into the idea of consent. Yes. They are forcibly taking a reading of her without her consent and under the guise that do you recognize these names? Um, Any thoughts really on consent of data? Arsehole Vulcans, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, really, they're absolute arseholes. (laughs) Yeah, that's the truth of it. You know, I mean, what a horrible way to behave. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's all I've got to say about them. You know, again, we're just banging on with the, the how horrible Vulcans are. Yeah, but it's it's true. I mean, to the fact that they have stolen medical yeah. data from a person, yeah. um, you know, where are their ethics? What are yeah. their medical practices? You know, is there a Hippocratic Oath on, on Vulcan or is yeah. it because a disease exists, we can do whatever we want? Yeah. Um, uh, it's It seems so anti-Vulcan to what we already know 
to the other Vulcans that we've met. You know, when we think of uh, Valar, the ambassador, how open she was to changing herself yes. so she adapts to a culture. Um, you know, there are so many, quote unquote, good Vulcans that we've met so far uh, and amenable Vulcans. And then there's the annoying Vulcans, the ones who want to hold us back and the ones that Archer has always dealt with. But this seems like a whole other subset of Vulcans. Um, you know, these are the undesirables. You know, these are the the doctors, the medical profession, almost ganging up, institutionalizing yes. this, yes. Um, this way of treating people and feeling like they can just do whatever they want to the Vulcan people, stealing their medical data uh, without any consent. It's so unnerving to think yep. that there would be a, a society where there's a group with that much power. Yeah. And, and as we find out, they, they, their council of physicians can recall people and do all kinds of stuff and uh, almost counteract the high command. I mean, that's yeah. a really powerful organization there. Um, back to sick bay again, more fees on the trip this time. Uh, this time I want to focus more on flocks though, because okay. Faisal and Trip, it just seems to go back over and over yep. again on the same thing. Yep. It's the same joke over and over again. It gets yep. played out. But Flox was, I think, in my mind, really delightful in this scene because he uh, it's a callback to Dear Doctor where he said that um, we found that Denobulans uh, about 200 years ago got so bored with TV that their real lives were more interesting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He starts turning oh. around and says, oh, is, uh, is Visna forgiven for, for what he did to Grosnik? No, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. What about, um, what about Kessel? Did they move on and, and move on to, to their yeah. third husband? And it's like, uh, no, Kessel's not that hubby. No, that's Claiborne. No, not Claiborne. That's Vogar. Yeah. And you're just constantly going through. It's like a soap opera. His yes. own family is his own soap opera. So it makes very believable sense that they wouldn't need a TV show. Who needs EastEnders? And yeah. the, yes. yeah, the beautiful and the bold because you've got uh, your own family to talk about. I did like that Kessel moved or went off to her other husband. There was a Kessel run. Was that a Star Wars reference, perhaps? I don't know. Yes. I didn't uh, pick up that at all, but that's deep diving, that is, mate. I was wondering if it was, and she, she had to move a few parsecs away. I was wondering if that was a Star Wars reference, but there we go. Um, but yeah, just flocks in this scene, because like I say, Feasel and Trip is exactly the same thing. She's more yeah. touching, more yeah. sexual innuendo, yeah. but flocks uh, as a as a nobulan not as the doctor that he plays in the role yes. uh, the Vulcan. yes i, I re yeah you're right i really like this actually and what i really like is um he seems really happy mm. because she's there and that's really nice it's like as you say he goes from being the doctor to being a person and yep. it, you know he's always but you know what i mean it's sort of like it's his personal life and it's it's a, a real sort of little insight into it. And can you imagine, you know, gossip mags on Denoblia? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, they must sell millions of them, mustn't they? <laughs> People must love it, you know. Because everyone must be related to Most, everybody yeah, else. exactly, yeah. So it's almost like a, a newsletter for your family. Yeah. It's like, you know, your second removed 69th yeah. cousin to the eighth cousin yeah. who is also your auntie. Yeah. Well, she has got something to say. <laughs> Yeah, they must they must sell bundles of them, mustn't they? Heat would go down <laughs> go down a treat, wouldn't it? <laughs> Read our two hundred page magazine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh. daily daily production. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was just delightful. I just really enjoy Flocks when he's happy. Yeah. It's yeah. such a nice thing. And again, it kind of felt like there's this polyamorous guy who is just enjoying the fact that they have a polyamorous relationship. Um, even though that they're sort of subverting it with all the Feasel and Trip stuff going on yeah. in the same scene, 
that he's happy to be in this open relationship. He's talking yeah. about the men and the women that yeah. they all love, that they all live together in a very day-to-day mundane. Oh, are they are they speaking now? Have they had an argument and they're yeah. okay? And it just felt so real and it nice, did. nice yes. and believable. Um, then we go to ready room and we sort of bring the tone in a bit more serious as uh, Archer feels that he's been embarrassed by this dignitary, this Vulcan, as they realize that they've been lying to him, that you've contracted a serious illness. Um, I like the fact that he does have a genuine concern more for T'Pol and less about being lied to. Hmm. Like, I feel like if they'd gone down the lied to route, he could have been just as much of an arsehole as the Vulcans. Yeah. But it seemed to come from a genuine Papa Archer. You are sick. Why didn't you tell me? We could have, you know, sorted this out. Uh, and to be fair, you know, the amount of aliens they keep running into. What if one of those aliens had had a cure? What if they have a medical yeah, interesting, yeah. You know, thing? Like you could have come to me with this. We could have found that it. it could have been part of our mission to try and help you. We didn't have to tell anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Hoshi, just so she can ask for it. You know, yeah. maybe that would be the only person. Um, so yeah, just any thoughts on Archer? Do you, do you feel that Archer was being reasonable? Do you feel actually he was being out of hand? No, I think it. I think it come from a place. You know, he does care already. He cares about um, Topol. You know that mm. that relationship is is strong already. It gets stronger as we go through the the rest of the seasons. But but um, I mean, there was a misstep, not a misstep, but he he you know, talking to Flocks and saying, why didn't you tell me that? Yes. Was, you know, I, I can understand why he said that. He probably didn't even think about it. You know, that was a very natural, you know, and of course, you know, then then he accepts that, you know, it's, it's patient confidentiality and, and you can't, you know, tell, you can't. And you, there's no reason why he should have told him. Um, so, yeah, and again, just a, a simple scene, but... Mm. Um, it sort of needed that scene, didn't it, to to lead Archer forward? Yeah, you know, that leads him into going and 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 sort of making the the um the confrontation with with the Vulcans and stuff. And 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 then as soon as he knows, he's batting for her, isn't he? He's gone. He's going for her, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, so I think it was a needed scene, just a little thing in there, just to to change the dynamic slightly, so that Archer gets involved. He pushes more. He's got that. To a degree, he's got that sort of um, superior—not superior, that's the wrong word. He's because he's, he's the captain, you know. He has to be taken seriously, that sort of thing. So, mm. it, yeah, it's it's just a, a, a little scene that pushes the story forward. Mm. I think also when he says like you were attacked, you need to speak up. Mm. Um, it, yeah, that it, it it confused me a little bit. Like, should I really be on that side because? Are we forcing a victim to have to go through something, a trauma again? Um, but equally, there is that aspect. If you don't speak up, people will continue to be assaulted and, and things like that. Uh, thinking back to Fusion and letting that Vulcan off, um, you know, there wasn't any resolution to him. There was no consequence for him. Um, it feels like, you know, they've they've let it go on too long. It's been a year. Mm. You were attacked. Now you need to speak up because now there is no cure for you. Yeah. Um, but I do like that it's brought it brings in the uh, this is where we get the word stigma, so we get the title for the episode. It, it makes very apparent what they're going to talk about, and that it isn't just a stock. Uh, no, we need the the medical advice. That's it. There is a 
a quandary now because mm. now we're protecting all the other people, not necessarily just that yes. one Vulcan who assaulted her, but all of the Melders, all the people who are part of that culture, who are uh, unfairly treated because of the actions of one or two of them that have gained negative press. Um, you know, of course, those Melders, of course, they forced, forced it on you because that's what they're like, what they are, you know, all this kind of thing. It's almost like Star Trek is political. Just going to bring that up again. Um, it's just a wonderful quandary and it really does set it all up. But it's taken at this point 15 minutes of the episode. And I wrote this down 15 minutes to get to this point. Do you feel like that should have been set up a little bit earlier and we should have had less Feasel and Trip? <laughs> um, <laughs> No, I think to this point the pacing's been okay. Mm-hmm. I, I think it, you know, again, I, it's not a bad episode. I don't think, I don't feel like it needed to jump straight into it. I, I think it's okay. Yeah. Uh, Archer does go down, and it does sort of give him the impetus. And now we're sort of getting more talk of undesirables. Yeah. Um, and he's talking about you know um, that just because they're undesirable, they're not entitled to care. Uh, and this is not in, probably an intentional episode uh, or part of the episode, but for me, the idea of entitled care for a, yes. a, for a people's yep. um, and uh, social care, social health yes. care. And uh, now this is something we enjoy nice in this country. You know, this is one thing we've got. Um, and this is an issue that has sort of raised its head too many times, I think, whenever you hear of uh, America and what they yes. go through and, the, and the, the ludicrous bills they have for someone who's got a simple injury. Um do you feel that that was also something they were leaning into, or do you feel like that was it's that's us reading I, too much into it? <laughs> yeah, maybe I think I'm not sure. I mean, I, well, the thing that I think of is the undeserving, the deserving poor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had that in this country very much. Yeah, you know, this whole thing true. around sort of benefits and stuff, and that you know, and and hardworking families and all these tropes, you know, and these ideas that somehow you know because you're you're poor. You know, I mean, you know, like food banks and stuff, and you know, should you be allowed to have food banks and all, mm. yeah, all the stuff that's going on at the moment and and throughout our history, really. And so mm. that's what that that's what sort of I brought got from that was this idea that you know you have to be you have to behave yourself, you have to be good, and they have to be, you know, you have to be what's the word? You yeah, I mean. Uh, a, you know a, a well-behaved victim to be mm. allowed to be helped it's, you know you can't just just because you need help you know if you're if you're not right if you're not the right person or the right you know the right color or mm. whatever it might be in in society you know you don't deserve this and you're you're less than someone else yeah so that yeah that's what i got from it really mm yeah there's there's so many arguments of like you know oh you can pull your socks up it's your choice you do this you know that kind of stuff um and it felt like this this episode you know for all of its faults with one side of its storyline really i mean covers so many bases with so many different arguments you could easily pick this side of the story apart and use it in so many other discussions yeah um we then get uh a little a tiny scene just where uh, Topol receives a communication, but we don't see where it's coming from, and then find out later that it's this Dr. Eurus, the third Vulcan, yes. who hasn't really said very much at this point, um, and has offered to meet with her. Now, I felt like, given all the times we've had this, there's been a communication, but they only want me to come alone. Yeah, Phil, why not send Reed down 
I mean, he hasn't done anything this episode no, with, a, yeah, with an armed security detail just in the background, you yeah. know, uh, undercover, just in case they're being lulled into full sense of security. Because what if she'd been abducted by her own people who are more than willing to change and alter her memories, as we found yes. out in the yes, <laughs> seventh? Um, <laughs> you know, we found out so many things about the Volker people that is really dodgy. Um, why trust that this wasn't a trap to then take to pull away from them? Um, it seemed, you know, I know it's for the story, and of course we find out about Dr. Eurus, but given that Archer knows about it, yeah. didn't he send one guy down, <laughs> you know, one security guard who's going to get shot by Dr. Eurus if it turned out it was a kidnap <laughs> plot? You know, something. Um, but yeah, we find out that um, yeah, Dr. Eurus is one of the minority and that he finds out that T'Pol was forced and coerced into this mind melt uh, and that you know that plays into their um their ideas of what this undesirable mm. group are doing you know you'll be fine you'll be let off you just have to tell them you were assaulted um again it's a third person forcing her to have to admit to it is yes. that a good thing i wonder yep. yeah that's interesting yeah i mean again yeah it's um i suppose again i think he's coming from a very good place Mm. You know, he he is obviously um, trying to help her. Mm. And he's sort of, in, you know, he, he doesn't want to see her, her career, her life ruined. You know, and so he, I think, I mean, yeah, there is that problem, isn't there? You know, you have to go through this trauma again and you have to reveal that this happened to you. And, you know, and, and, and the thing is, again, I mean, it's a bit like, I mean, we talked about it at the time with fusion, you know, the rape, the idea of the rape and stuff. And, mm. you know, that idea that you have to, what's the word? You have to sort of go through that again. Mm. Yeah. And, and the chance that, you know, I mean, rape in this country, and I think probably across the world, the, the conviction rate is so low. Yeah. You have to go through that again with very little opportunity that actually you might get some kind of justice. Mm. And Topol is sort of running that risk as well, isn't she? She you know she could tell them, but they might not, you know, they might just go, well, tough, tough, you know, tough luck, you know. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's very difficult. I mean, it's a very intimate thing, it's a very personal thing, a very painful thing. I yeah. don't know, I mean and I suppose from T'Pol's point of view, she sort of thinks, I think what she thinks is that no, because however you get this, you shouldn't be blamed. You shouldn't be, you know, ostracized. Yeah. Yeah. So if I, if I sort of let myself get off the hook as such by doing this or by telling what happened, then it doesn't do anything to stop what's going on already. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a very moral position for her to take, mm. you know, it's, 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 it's going to potentially, you know, affect her negatively when she could mm. sort of get out of it as such. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think, but I think he's, he's the most honest, isn't the right word. He's, he's coming from the best place. Yeah, of, of everyone. I think Archer to a degree as well. Archer just cares about T'Pol 
and he's very yeah. angry, but he's Mr. Angry Archer at this point, you know. <laughs> yeah, as always. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's very moral, you know. He's, oh, it's a, you know, but this guy is coming from a place where he, you know, he's had to hide his 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 truth, mm. and you know, he feels that. I'm sure he feels that pain of doing that, and it's difficult, you know. And and he must, you know, and he feels maybe like this is an opportunity for him to, you know, it's an opportunity for him to help. So, given the information, can help. It's an opportunity for, you know, just to hopefully move things forward a little bit and have some kind of, you know, bringing bringing people into the society more than than mm. maybe they are at the moment. You know, they're they're, they're around the very outsides of society at the moment and he's living in a sort of lie i mean again it's very interesting that whole sort of thing of you know gay gay life and stuff particularly i mean maybe not so much now fortunately in this country anyway people are made a more able to be open now but certainly you know 20 30 years ago you know there was still people would still be living living a lie effectively and that's what he's doing and he's having to so i mm. think there's a whole load of stuff going on in this episode yeah as i say i don't know that they actually done it justice but there's lots of ideas here that's it and that was another thing that i think i'm i'm holding against this episode you know perhaps unfairly that they have such a great premise for a true star trekky philosophical discussion to go on um and it doesn't feel like it goes anywhere again. It's like, again, like infusion. We didn't have any consequences mm. for the creepy Vulcan. We didn't yeah. have um, a fallout. He wasn't arrested. He wasn't yeah. charged. He wasn't taken off to trial or anything like that. Uh, we didn't have the other Vulcans condemn him and, you know, shoot him out an airlock in a, in an escape pod, you know, even that would have felt like it was some sort of, yeah. if not justice, but at least a resolution to the yeah. problem. Um, again, it's one of the things that I think I find with Enterprise, perhaps more than all the other Star Trek series, is that they have a great idea, mm. but the delivery just doesn't, yes. it doesn't pack that final punch to really yeah. drive it home. Um, and they've got this character, you know, had they not had a minority character, someone who wasn't part of that group, how would that have resolved? I mean, how are they actually going to end this story? It's, it mm. feels very convenient that they've just yes. had one of the doctors who happened to be there. Um you know, it wasn't just one of the random Vulcans who just happened to be at the conference at the same time. And, you know, for whatever reason, they came forward because they heard this was going on. Um, it's very lucky that they had Dr. Eurus there. It was. Uh, um, but it's nice that at least we hear from the minority. So he's happy for it to be divulged because yeah. obviously if they don't, if they don't say it about to poll, then, you know, there are, there are the negative parts of their groups that are doing this and forcing it on people and that, that the majority of their minority are not like that. You know, we need to make sure that both stories are told. And I think that's, it's nice to at least hear. Yeah. Um, uh, Mestek, we're going to Hoshi and Trip oh, talking about the movies. Uh, um you know why? Yeah, why go and watch a movie when you can go down to the to the planet? Yeah. I completely and one hundred percent agree with Hoshi. Um, yeah. You know, movie night is for when you're going between the planets. Why bother now? Um, I feel like they should have been watching The Graduate. Um, or <laughs> as Hoshi's just said, you know, why is it always obscure horror? Yeah. Uh, maybe she wanted to watch The Arrival. Um, I, you know, as a linguist, maybe she enjoys that movie. Maybe that's the one that got her into it. I don't know. <laughs> uh, speaks a bit of Denobulan, which is really yes. nice. Again, it, yes, it is. Every other character who happens to be in the Fiesel Trip graduate scenes um, 
they have some great moments. Flox has all of his stuff with uh, all of his gossip. Hoshi shows off her, her linguist abilities. Everybody else has a great moment. Well, other than what's about to come up. Because then we go to the gym. Oh, God. Yes. And I was wondering if, if this might be a, a retread, perhaps? Mm, I don't know. Because the the what's good about this scene is that it's absolutely prime read it really is a good read scene yeah, that is, is read yeah. that is read to a t you know they, they the writers knew his character and it was perfect so i don't know if i can hate that as such yeah yeah you know what i mean it's sort of <laughs> um so no i can't i mean it, it read you know on his bike at two o'clock in the morning or whatever it is and you know and there's all that sort of stuff going on um Oh, I would. <laughs> oh, suit you, sir. Oh. Yeah, yeah exactly. it's yeah. such a read, isn't it? It's such so a read, read thing yeah, that you almost can't hate it, can you? Yeah. Because, oh, well, I don't know, maybe I can, I don't know. I'll it's tell you what I'm going to do. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to let you decide. Oh, no, no, so in the edit, the... you decide whether to put a retread in there, because it could be, and it, oh, yeah. uh, you know, the problem with that, if I've set the retread bar at yeah. this, then it, our whole podcast would just be retread <laughs> because it just it's just read. <laughs> yeah, we, and then we might become a measure of a fan podcast where it's Goblin yes. Read all the time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is very much... Gob- this is Goblin Read, isn't it? If I could do yeah. impressions, then I would be doing the Goblin now. He's, yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I'm not going to take their thing because that is... It, it, Goblin Read, whenever the voice comes yeah. out, on, on measure of a fan podcast, we love you guys. We do. Uh, uh, but, um, yeah... Yeah, you can't hate Goblin Reed for being Goblin Reed. Yeah, so you, exactly. you have to hate him for something specifically yeah, he's done. Exactly. And yeah, but he does say that, you know, Flox could get angry, but yeah. it feels like such a misunderstanding of who Flox is. Like yeah. Flox gets angry for different reasons. Yeah. Um, and and this is them being polyamorous. Like that, yeah. that it's not necessarily yeah. what he's going to think. Um, no, exactly. Yeah. No, I okay. I'm gonna go as the holder of retread. If you say no, I'm not gonna put it in the edit. Okay. Or, or I might put the jingle in and then like do a record scratch and then halfway yes. through. So it's, it's like a half and half. Yeah. Um, but uh, then we go back to uh, sick bay again, and this time it's not a Fiesel and trip scene. It's actually Flocks and Topol, and they go through the research they've managed to get mm. from Eurus, mm. and it's not really sufficient. There's barely anything there. He's already figured out half this stuff already. I don't know. That feels like a gut punch that they've gone mm. through this already. And, you know, we're 25 minutes into the episode and they didn't get anything. Like mm. all of this could actually be for nothing. I think that that actually was quite a nice turn for the story because it felt like, uh, you know, in typical Star Trek, it would have been, we've got this research. We yes. have a cure. Yeah. It's solved ba, 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 and yeah. move on. Uh, but actually there's nothing there because they didn't put the time and effort into no. researching this disease. Uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I guess you're right. I hadn't really thought about that, but it is it is very untypical for Star Trek, isn't it? Because normally mm. the doctor gets gets like uh, I don't know they they find a, a cure pretty quick, don't they? Sort of, yeah, <laughs> the whole ship's going to die from some sort of blood loss thing or something, <laughs> or or giant giant um, viruses or yeah, whatever else it might be, and they go yay. <laughs> <laughs> they usually find they have to kill the patient and then that yeah. will reset them and yes, then they just exactly. wake them up yeah, again. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Um yeah. And 
again we get more talk uh, archer comes in and says like was it worth it did you get what you wanted um and Topol then explicitly states, I'm protecting this minority by not feeding into their stereotypes and their prejudices. And, you know, if I speak up, then they're going to do it. It's almost like Star Trek is political. Just saying it again. Um, (laughs) We then get a conference room scene or down on the conference where Archer's now gone back down and talked to the doctor. And where I come from, everything is up for debate. I thought that was such a Star Trek line. And I really enjoyed that line. Um, Coming coming out of Archer's mouth, it made a lot of sense as well. Um, Just any thoughts on on that and and how he's sort of now pushing for this, uh, because he's now got the pad with all the information on what the protocols are. I want a hearing. I want this. Despite T'Pol saying no. Yes. Yeah, I guess that's, that's the interesting thing about this scene, isn't it? You know, the moral conundrum of that. Now, where do you you know, where do you, I mean, I suppose it's almost like the sort of, we're very deep today, aren't we? Very, I know. It's how deep yeah. this conversation is. It's, it's almost, almost like, like we've had of, really bad episodes of the yeah, of season two yeah. so far. We're desperate to get something out of this one. <laughs> but it's, it's almost like assisted dying or something, you know. Mm. You know, where, where do you draw that line? You know, where do you help somebody despite them protesting against it and where do you you know where, when do you say no actually i've got to do this you know mm. i know you've said no so there's that whole thing of that but it's it's for the good of her as well mm. but then how when does aren't you get to decide that you know it's, it's very mm-hmm. i mean again i suppose you know i think maybe we're we're digging a bit too deep in some ways but equally, it's interesting to think about because this whole episode is about sort of morals and mm. and um, you know and how you approach things and, and and sort of you know and wishes and and consent and all that stuff that we've talked about. But I think he's doing the right thing as much mm. as he maybe you know technically is doing the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. I think in this situation he's doing the right thing. I used to work in a care home. And um, there was a, a, a piece of legislation that came out when I was there called the Mental Capacity Act. Okay. And that was all about, can someone make a decision for themselves? And what do you do if they can't? And because I used to work with, um, with people with brain injuries. Hmm. And so you know, some, some of those people would have issues with, you know, understanding, with communication, Mm. And 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 at what what point do you sort of step in and make decisions for somebody that maybe they wouldn't make, mm. but they wouldn't be able to make in a in a sort of in an informed manner. Mm. And it's a bit like that, isn't it? You know, I think he makes the right decision, mm. but I think technically he shouldn't make that decision. Yeah, but I think he makes the right decision. Yeah, it's it veers into also conservatorship. We've seen mm. uh, the Free Britney uh, yeah. was obviously the biggest cakes, but we've actually got one in our own Star Trek uh, alum. You know, um, Nichelle Nichols is currently mm. under a conservatorship because yeah. she is of an age where her frailty means that she can't necessarily look after herself as she would want to on her own. Um, so she is under a conservatorship with her her family, and you know at what point can she make decisions on her own exactly um 
you know, Tapo is in full, uh, you know, mental capacity here. She can make her own decisions, and she has expressly said that she doesn't yeah. want to. However, there is a a moral. Uh, I don't know how to say it. A moral stance to take where you feel like you have to stand up for something and you aren't just looking at to polls issues yep. what if someone else get what if that same vulcan from fusion assaults someone else gives them panar syndrome and so on and so on and creates a chain by giving this hearing even though he's not expressing and I, I love the fact that he doesn't bring up the fact that she was assaulted. He, it, he doesn't let it slip. And he, he sort of veers into that problem where he's the one who's, who's gone against her wishes and, and said the nature of things. Um, I love that he does stay tight lipped and he, he only pushes for it on the basis that she has the syndrome and wants a cure or, or wants or, or as much as the, he possibly can get for her. Um, there is a moral justification to protect people future victims from ever being there um and uh, you know he seems to be leaning into that aspect so i think because you if if it is needs of the one or needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one at least would play into a vulcan way of thinking that okay this guy is going to sort more people if we give her a hearing and she is you know um treated fairly then other people who are victims could be treated fairly as well um, they don't know that, but he knows that. So I think that's probably what he's trying to go for. It's uh, just, yeah, it's that little niggle of like, she she did say no, though. She did ask him not to do it, and he went and did it anyway. So um, it's very hard to do, and very hard to, to answer that. But again, one of the aspects of the episode I really like and makes me not hate it because it is really, really good. It's, it's, it, well, look at what we've just been talking about for the last yeah. 40 minutes. You know, it's so much there. Um, hey, guess what? Travis had something to do in the next scene. It's sick bay. There is no feasel and trip. It is Travis sitting there with his shirt pulled up. So we get to see <laughs> yeah. the washboard abs again. Um, <laughs> the man is just, oh, he's so impressive. Um, but Travis, uh, Travis got hurt again, yes. doing something that sounded really more interesting than. Yeah. That we didn't see. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Just give some, Travis something to do. By the way, I, I still haven't made a jingle for this. I, I think feel that's like apt, though, don't you? It's very apt, yeah, that I haven't actually bothered to do it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> I've looked into it. I've tried to find pieces of music. I'm like, no, that doesn't quite fit. No, that doesn't quite fit. Oh, hang on, mate. I've Sorry. just got a knock on the door. Go get some snacks. Perhaps a carbonated soda. All good? Yeah, sorry, mate. Um, yeah. Bloody BT, no, uh, open reach. Oh, right. They okay. finally fixed the problem after over a month. <laughs> and I got them. Oh, just... <laughs> I've had enough of BT. Yeah. <laughs> driving me mad. BT are, um, yeah, not fun at no. all to deal with. It's, yeah, we, we, um, we still are technically BT, but because we go through Sky, we only have to deal with Sky. Sky, right. Sky are the only ones who have to actually talk to BT yeah. directly. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, because, yeah, I just had enough of sitting on calls and waiting for five hours for nothing. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't stand them either. So, yeah, I, can, I feel your pain. I feel yeah. your pain. Sorry about that, mate. <laughs> uh, no, no, that's fine. That's right. But they've all sorted it for you. They've, that's all good. It's working. So I don't know what they've got 
why they've got suddenly got a report that's not working because I'm in fact I'm I'm just checked I'm on this connection right now. <laughs> so strange, so yeah. strange. Um, yes, we were at Travis. Um, yes, Travis, good old Travis. Yeah, Fargans and melons and <laughs> monkeys in the middle. Yeah, that was uh, really bizarre, wasn't it? The whole like that whole when somebody obviously made that again. This was the junior, wasn't it? Yeah. We need, we need, we need a thing. What happened? What, what was he doing? I'll, I'll tell you, get Dave to have a think about it. He, he can't be saying <laughs> that. Do it's, it's only so Travis. Strange. And, yeah, and he, but he, he goes into it. He starts describing what you do with the melons, and it gets yeah. them all worked up. And it's like, why? Why was the point? Like, I was just rock climbing again. They yeah. didn't need to do it, yeah. but they gave him something to do, which is nice. <laughs> um, oh my god, it's such a random thing to put in this episode. Yeah. They've done so many good character moments, like Hoshi talking about wanting to go down to the surface. Even Reed, even Goblin Reed is normally <laughs> gob- Goblin Reed and flocks with all of his gossip. Yeah. But this just seemed so weird and out of left field. I just yeah. didn't see where that came from. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> maybe if they went to all this uh, you know, strong uh, philosophical discussion and then you've got the comedic beat, maybe they just went random, like life just goes on. These things go on. We're going to talk about it. We're going to do all this kind of stuff, but don't worry. Sometimes it's just about fargans and melons. You know, life is just the way, that way. Maybe they were going for that. I don't know. Or, or they literally, literally that Travis hadn't said a word, so they need to pay him for something. I don't know. Um, but I do appreciate, you know, that that man is is jacked and really showed it off in this bruised and all. Oh, suit you, sir. <laughs> but that's when Trip comes in and he now yes. wants to t- tell Flox about what's going on. And it's Flox's reaction of like, oh, you lucky dog. And he really goes for it. And I, I kind of like that. I don't know why. It's because, if anything, that makes him then complicit to this aggressive strategy that Feasel seems to go for. Um, but it almost makes it seem like, is this just a biological thing that actually she can't help it? That it's not an active predatory uh, aspect to herself, that she... That all denobulants, this is how they flirt. This is the way their society works. And am I, you know, giving them a stigma? That actually, yes. it, it isn't, it, it's not actually her fault. She's not doing it on purpose, mm. but she, you know, took a whiff of his pheromones when she passed him at the very beginning of the episode. And she's been under the thrall of Trip yes, the maybe, whole time. Yeah. <laughs> that she actually doesn't have any agency in any of this. Um, any thoughts, really? Well, I think Trip would be a sort of guy that had pretty strong pheromones, wouldn't he? Let's be honest. Exactly. You know, you he's know. been with a princess. So, and that was only a couple of episodes ago. Yeah. And maybe, maybe, maybe it is. Maybe, yeah, he's irresistible to the Nobians. It could so, be it. Yeah. Could be it. Yeah. Never thought of it that way. Yes. I don't know. I don't know. Um, uh, but they've got it out in the open, and I do like that. You know, uh, there is that discussion of you know, it's just what we do where we're very sexual people and and you should enjoy it you know you're such a, a lucky person to enjoy this this sexual liberation um which again given all the stuff that Paul's going through and that he's enjoying a very liberated sexual approach it's a nice thing mm-hmm. that we could live in that society but there we go um to Paul's quarters and yes. archer has now come back and said that he's pushed for this meeting even though she said no she is mad in a Vulcan way of being mad uh, that he did it, but silence will hurt the minority more. 
mm. um, is a line that he actually says. So I'm wondering if, you know, does that justify what he did? I think it does, actually. I do. I think it does. I think sometimes you have to take a stand. Mm. And I think the problem with Archer is that Archer takes a stand quite regularly. Yeah. Sort of, you know, he, he's, he's a very angry, moral man, isn't he? In a very sort mm-hmm. of strange way. But I think he's right in this. Yeah, I think he is. Um, mm. I think there's, it's very problematic around using to poll to get to that point. Yeah. And, there, you know, but, Again, I think it, it it comes from the right place. It isn't just a sort of, I don't know, some sort of just moral thing that you know. He just he cares he cares about Topol. That's mm. what drives it mm. at the bottom of it. I think. Yeah. Yes, it's it, not it's not that TOS way of imposing your beliefs on someone else. Yeah. At least, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, so I think, um, yeah, I think it, it's the right thing. Hmm. I was wondering if they should have gone a bit bigger and it was probably just because of budget that they had just three Vulcans and that was it. They were at a medical conference and I wonder if they, if they'd had the budget, if they had unlimited resources, should they have gone a bit bigger, maybe a bit more discovery like and had all of the representatives from Hmm. all the medical fields that are at this major conference discussing stigma and, Hmm. you know, medical place in ethics and perhaps having a load of other races, you know, point the finger at the Vulcans and say, this is not acceptable. Uh, would that have packed an even bigger punch and been the final punch that we've been looking for for this episode? Um, yeah, maybe. I, mean, I don't think it needed that, really. It didn't need didn't need that disco sort of big thing. Mm, the grand gesture. <laughs> yeah, it just needed... What did it need? I, you know, I don't know. It it just needed tweaking. That's all it needed. Hmm. And I'm not quite sure, you know, what tweaking it needed. If you know, it's it's not like one of those episodes where you think, you know, this is just needs to be different. Yeah, it's not quite as simple as that. It's, yeah, it, you know, it just. But again, it's just maybe. Maybe we'll leave it to the, the consequences and stuff, but mm. yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what it needed, but I think it just needed something as so is so often with enterprise. Yeah, that is the enterprise problem, isn't it? Mm. It just needs something else. Um, we get to the hearing, we get words like genetic aberrations again, in more emotive language coming out, very emotional language coming from the Vulcans. Yeah. Um, and we get Archer's speech, another great set of lines, but you know, we're not afraid of diversity. You have to accept people who are different to who you are. It's almost like Star Trek's political. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if ever there was an episode to point to and say, yes, yeah, Star Trek is at least trying to say something, this kind of feels like one. Uh, but it all comes down to Dr. Uris speaking out. Yeah. He's had enough. He's seen that someone else is paying the price for the silence of the minor- minority. So at least Archer's argument from the previous scenes play out you know we do have someone who speaks for the minority standing up for uh, for to poll and, and what they're going through but it does feel like a bit of a downer to the episode that this this man will lose yeah. everything 
his entire yep. life. And although in the final scene with Marcher's Ready Room, they say, you know, this will might encourage other people to speak out and things like that. That's not guaranteed. That's no. not, a, again, a typical TOSE. We've solved the problem. Da, yes. da, da, yeah. Zoom off to the next step, adventure. This man will destroy his life. He has yeah. lost his life now, his livelihood, because he's had to stand up for what was right instead yeah. of, um, you know, he stood up for what was right. They changed their minds. And actually now medical ethics in Vulcan are going to change. Uh, that's not going to happen. No. So uh, just any thoughts on this aspect? There's one more scene to talk about, which unfortunately we do have to. But um, uh, yeah, uh, the, the overall message for the episode. I think... I really liked the doctor standing up. Mm. You're right. He is going to lose a lot. He's going to lose his place in society and stuff. But maybe there was something in that, that, you know, a single person, you know, <clears throat> this is getting a bit I don't know, overblown maybe, but, you know, a single person has to stand up at some point. Mm -hmm. And then another person sees that single person stand up and he thinks, or they think, I can stand up and it and it mm. starts something and maybe that's overblowing the you know the the result of this but that's this the, the broad thing i think mm. is that if you want to take if you want to take this as a sort of morality play as a allegory yeah mm. then then this is you know that this is the right conclusion to the episode in a way that someone stands up and it's one person and that one person leads to another person and Mm. You know, it's how these things change, you know. So, you know, again, maybe we're giving the episode a little bit more than it deserves, maybe. <laughs> you know, and again, it'd be, I mean, it'd be fascinating to know how much of this stuff they thought about in the writer's room. Mm. You know, do they, do they, you know, get into this sort of, you know, and or do they just write a story? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I think it's probably a bit of both, really, you know. Mm. But yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's the right ending for it. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's it's another thing when you come back to these episodes. All of the episodes we've done of Enterprise so far, you know, when they made the episode back then, over twenty years ago, they were answering one problem. But when you really drill into it, as we've just been talking about conservatorship issues that existed back then, but really we're only talking about now. Yeah, um, you know, are we? looking back at it with 2022 eyes when we should really be looking at it from 2002 eyes and did it do its own job the one it was sort of setting out to do on its own but isn't that the best thing about art and entertainment is that yeah. 20 years on 50 years on 100 years on a painting a play anything could have a completely new meaning when you take it back um which brings me into the rocky horror picture show um <laughs> When I was thinking about it, constantly watching this episode over and over and over again, how do I feel about it? Because there is this disjointed two stories going on. It's not that one feeds into the other. They are two completely different things. Um, there's a line in this hearing about society needs to be protected. Well, that's actually a line in Rocky Horror. And uh, Dr. or Professor Von Scott, um, he says society must be protected from this deviant behavior this outrageous behavior that is so different you know if we lose our minds our minds will snap and you know uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna be giving in to temptation and and this way of being but 
the whole arching thing for Rocky Horror is don't dream it, be it, be set, be comfortable in yourself, be willing to engage in your uh, other sides. You know, all these sides of your personality are valid. Um, there's other parts for Rocky Horror, of course, but having watched the play in between watching these episodes, because I watched this at the beginning of the Easter holidays, right. in the middle, yeah. and then again just before, just to make sure all my notes made sense again. And I'd watched Rocky Horror in between, and it just, it felt different. It felt like there was something to be said about uh, if you constantly, you know, downplay people's thoughts, feelings, opinions, the way they want to live their life, that there's a danger to that. And actually society um, being protected uh, is is a dangerous way to, to, to take it. Um, but if you don't let people have their ways of life, that's way more dangerous for society because you will then just become monotone and one-wayed and single-minded and you become like the Vulcans as we've just found you know just how horrid these Vulcans are and they are able to justify stealing people's medical data without even asking you know things like this um it just it felt really strange that I'd watched two different pieces of media and they cover the same subject one was made in the 70s yep. and had the exact same thing to say as an episode like this. And it's very, very strange. But anyway, there we go. Yeah, it's, yeah. Don't dream it, be it. And I'll probably put in some Rocky Horror music in the background <laughs> whilst I'm doing that. But yeah, we've got one final scene, and it's uh, humans. <laughs> um, is the last scene we're really going to look at. Uh, look after Trip, keeping him in working order. Yes. I'll be more motivated to come back. Yeah. Uh, at least Trip seems to be playing along with it. He doesn't seem as yeah. uncomfortable now that he's told Flocks what's going on and everything. And Flocks gave his sort of blessing. And I don't. Is it a justified resolution to this story? It. I don't know. I feel uncomfortable. I don't know why. Do you know what it's like? It's like if you went to, say, a family gathering mm -hmm. and there was a, an awkward uncle or, <laughs> you know, and you'd gone through that whole sort of three hours or whatever, having a meal and chatting and all the rest of it, and it's all been very uncomfortable. And then he leaves and you're sort of at that point where, you, oh, okay, well, he's all right, really. Yeah. You know. <laughs> And I'll see you soon, and yeah. meaning I won't see you for ages, and you know, it's sort of that, isn't it? Is that, that oh, okay? Well, it's all done now. I can I can relax now. <laughs> so I think yeah. yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, just like you know, he's gone. We don't have to act a certain way now. We yeah. can be ourselves. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's just I don't know, just it, it's something weird because like him laughing about it when she's been pursuing him so hard all episode. So strange. I don't. I just don't know how I feel about that. I think that's the bit that threw me out mm. for this whole episode is how it's kind of laughed off, and there's some serious things going on there. Um, but that is it. That is the end of the episode. We've we've discussed it, and we've discussed quite a lot actually, a lot we more have, than I thought yeah, we were going to do. Again, yeah. um, it's been a very that, deep one today. I mean, it's been very was, deep. Yeah. Well, we're getting very. Uh... <laughs> Yes. We didn't come back for action and pew pews after the Easter. No, we came indeed, back. Yeah. Deep, deep conversation. Yeah. 
so that's locate the episode. There's no time with whiminess, so we're all into consequences. Your analogy is very colorful, Captain, but I question whether it addresses the consequences. Consequences, 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 consequences. The concept of learning from one's mistakes shouldn't be difficult for a Vulcan of your wisdom to understand, Ambassador. I don't wish to contradict Captain Archer, but learning from one's mistakes is hardly exclusive to humans. What do you think are the consequences? How is the Star Trek universe and Federation going to change because of this episode? Is there any change? Well, I don't think there is really. I mean, I suppose if this was followed up with another episode about Panar Syndrome on Vulcan and how that maybe that had begun to change, and but we don't see that, I don't think really. I mean, I suppose you could argue that as we go forward into TOS and stuff, the way Vulcans are is different. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is part of that, that change in Vulcans. Um, but no, there's no consequences really, is there? We'd never mm. see Fiesel again. No. Unfortunately, so, it's, it is the end of sort of Denobulan backstory yeah. as far as meeting them. We get a few more nuggets thrown in as the two seasons that are about to come, come our way. But yeah, we don't get to meet any Denobulans. No. Major denobulance. Obviously, we will get few as we go through, but yeah, yeah, true. But yeah, the, the stigma will persist, and it's always yeah. going to be there. Um, you know, Archer is pretty defeated in that last set uh, thing, saying there's one good thing from this is that you're not going to be taken away, and you're not going to have to give up your career. But Doctor Eurus will lose everything, um, yeah. and she's going to speak up for him. She's going to stand up for him and say that he shouldn't have to lose anything either. Ah, uh, yeah, because it's like how how deeply entrenched is it? Was it that lead doctor for just this conference who was the big bigot, and he had his lackey who was sort of backing him up as well? Um, but the rest of the medical science field are a mixed bag of different opinions on the minority. Some are pro, some are anti, some are you know fence sitters and and don't really have a position either way. They just want to be doctors. Um, yeah, we don't learn anything more about Vulcan society. No. Uh, but as I say, the Panar syndrome will persist. We will have something in future episodes about treatments for T'Pol, and she will have to go through that for season three and season four, I think, as well. So there will be consequences for the story, but not necessarily yeah. for the wider mm. universe. Mm. Uh, after consequences, we have alterations. Now, we have sort of spoken about we wouldn't really change too much. No. Do you want to go to allegory? Now, you said in a few episodes ago that when we get to TOS, yeah. we should really do allegory. So should we think, like, what was the the override? Do you think that they dealt with the stigma problem well enough? Or do you feel that because there wasn't that resolution, they hadn't? I think it was a good attempt. Hmm. And again, I mean, it's interesting you said a minute ago about looking at it with different eyes. Hmm. You know, maybe if we look at it in 2001, even, you know, Things had begun to change a bit, I think. But, you know, so I think it was a, a, a good effort. And maybe sort of as far as they could push it at the time. Mm. You know, and it was, I mean, it, I suppose what was interesting about it was it wasn't that this be your last battlefield. <laughs> it wasn't, you know, that absolutely black black and white you know, <laughs> to, you know literally 
but it did do a good job, I think. I mean, it, you know, I think if you were, if you was involved or aware of what was going on, then I think you would see, you would see the parallels and you would see the story there. If you mm. wasn't, then maybe you wouldn't. And, and maybe that's what an allegory does well sometimes is that it doesn't need to be, not, it doesn't need to be obvious, but it, it, you know, it sort of tells a story without telling the story sometimes. Mm. Mm. Um, so I think, yeah, I think they did a good job. I think it's a decent episode and I wouldn't make any alterations really. Mm. I mean, there's always, you know, with everything, there's always alterations you could make. And, but I think they did a pretty decent job with this. I mm. think, um, yeah, I think it was a pretty good, I mean, the whole Feasel thing. Yeah. You know, but we've spoken about that. There's no point going over that because we've done that to death, haven't we? Um, Just as they did with playing that well, same exactly, scene yeah. over and over yeah. again. Um, so no, I think it was it was good. Yeah, mm. yeah. I, I, I've said earlier in the episode that I wish that the two problems or the two storylines yes. had intertwined at some point, mm. where Feasel was sort of talking about adjusting her way of talking or approaching Trip and yes. and doing it, and that maybe she would have put the case forward and she got involved as as a scientist as a medical professional in her own right that's why she's there she would then change the mind of the vulcans as well you know that yeah you have to change your perceptions it wasn't just coming from archer that loads of people are all saying to the vulcans in different ways in their own perspective yeah things need to change and i felt like that could have been a bit more of a chorus of people yes actively yeah, saying it yeah as opposed to just archer um and you know they're all defending to pole and to pole then gets the chance to sort of to raise herself up as well um yeah i think less of the feasel story yeah. as term, in terms of her engaging with trip but at least had it there yeah. to play something significant maybe have you know a couple of comedy moments where she's yeah, just absolutely been, yeah you know, She's run the petal bath because, you know, things have gone on and now, you know, he's wondering how he's going to get around that and all that sort of thing. You could have had that, but at least after a conversation where she said, are you comfortable with me doing this? Exactly. Yeah. That would have solved so many problems in this yeah. episode uh, and possibly would have made it one of the better episodes of season two. Thinking yeah. back to... I don't think it's a bad episode. You know, I, really yeah. I think, um, as you say, maybe handling Feasel slightly differently and, and you know, maybe tweaking the, the main story somewhere along the line. But actually, overall, I think this is a decent episode. Mm. I mean, I'm now putting it against the Christine test. No one seemed to be po-faced. There, there was at least something there. Even Reed being his, <laughs> oh, go on then. You know, go on then. He was being a bit more animated than he was in the previous <laughs> episode. Um, so, yeah, not part of the turd sandwiches that we've had with, uh, nope. with season two. And I think it, it, it had some problems, but I think it did a lot better than most yeah. in season two. Yeah. Right. Uh, recommendations. Do we recommend mm. this to Star Trek fans as a good Star Trek episode? I think we have to, don't we? From what we've said? I think mm. yes. Yeah. It's one of the episodes that I've been saying. It's almost like Star Trek's political. You know, if you want to point to it, you've got mm. the diversity conversation. The, you know, there's nothing to gain from silence conversation. There's some really good quotable lines from Archer and loads of other characters in this um, about consent, stigma, uh, society, loads of cultural things. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I think we're both agreed. Yeah. To non-Star Trek fans, though, is it a good introduction to the Star Trek world? 
Do you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say no, but I think if you're going to introduce them to enterprise, mm. it might be a good way to do it. Very true. You know, because it's not, a, you know, I, I think you'd have to introduce people to TOS a little bit. And, mm-hmm. a few, you know, so just that, but, oh, you've not watched enterprise. Give this one a go. Mm. It's not a That's sort of good. like start your journey here, mm. but it is a start your enterprise journey here, maybe. Very good. Yeah. Because Hoshi talks about wanting to be a linguist. She shows off that she can speak to Nobulin. We get Trip, obviously, being a good trip, quite reserved, uh, and being, you know, being a perfect gentleman. He actually said it in this episode. <laughs> he did, and he was a perfect gentleman. <laughs> it's the first time he says it. Um, Flox has been Flox, and he's delightful all the way through. And he got he got to be both. He got to be the good Doctor Flox, and he got to be the hyper enthusiastic and optimistic Flox at the same time. And it gave yeah. us both. Um, Travis got ignored. Um, yes. Archer got to be Archer. Yep. Yeah, everyone is what they're supposed to be in mm. Enterprise. So yeah, I think I, I think I would say yes if um, I, you, know, you know when you're at school. And you know when you might have had that one teacher who was a bit of a Star Trek fan, so they wheeled out some episodes, you know, when it's RE and they want to talk about a subject. I feel like there are scenes you could pick out of this. Not watch the whole thing, but there are scenes you could pick out and say, right, look what he's talking about diversity. Do you agree with what he says? Mm. So I feel like someone who didn't know Star Trek, but you wanted to play a few scenes for them. Mm. I think this is a really good episode to do that. Um, So I I think I am going to recommend to non-Star Trek fans, but only in that context, that you would take scenes from this. Not the whole episode, but scenes, definitely. Okay, that's it. We're done again. Um, Like I said, we we mind this a lot more than I thought we were going to. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, But All Remains is a setup. So uh, before we move on, um, sell the podcast. So it's the S double S. Where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter at Mm -hmm. Academic Trek 47. Mm-hmm. I promise. No, I don't promise, actually. Let's be honest. <laughs> I promise to do my best to one day release another episode. At some point, at some time, in some chronology. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. No, there's no pressure. There's no pressure, you see. You know, you don't have to talk. You're hurting people with the silence, I have to say, because it's a great show and people need more academic trek. But, you know, there's no pressure to do this. You can do it at your own pace. But it is fantastic. And I, I can't wait for more academic track, I have to say. Uh, so all remains is for me to set up uh, the yes. next episode. We're going to uh, season three, episode 41 of the podcast and season two, episode 15, as we go to ceasefire. Uh, it's Archer, the Andorians, the Vulcans, and they're fighting over some sort of moon. I seem to remember, even when futuristic, futuristic, that we did for Nexus Nights, we were going like, "What is this episode?" I cannot yeah. for the life of me. Uh, I've watched it. I've gone ahead and watched it uh, ahead of time, and I'm like, "Do not remember this at all. None of this is jogging any I was memories." Say, I mean, all it sounds to me like is the what was the episode, the follow up to? Wow, um, oh, what was the one when they're on? They're on the planet, and and Archer gets abducted, and they yep. shoot out at the end. Oh, oh, uh, Pajem, Pajem, yeah, yeah. I mean, isn't yeah. that just the same episode? It sounds like the same episode to me. Yeah, it's it's pretty much the same episode, but I don't think he actually gets abducted. Oh, that's it's that like, basically they just take this last season's episode, remove the abduction plot, and just plug <laughs> in a different one. That's pretty much all they do with this one. Um, but yeah, I did not remember this. This is like it was almost like watching a brand new episode. Wow. I, because 
memory wise gone nothing yeah i don't remember it at all nothing persisted from this so that it was a complete ceasefire of my memory um right there we go uh so join us next week for ceasefire and thanks as always for listening and we'll see you in the next time stream we will indeed thank you i hope you've enjoyed the show please remember to like subscribe and review wherever you listen to it if you would like to be a guest in the future or give feedback you can contact me by either searching for the temple trick podcast facebook page or find me on twitter at rider underscore coattail also search the temple trek podcast you can also find me on instagram at daniel underscore hitch underscore writer scripted elements of the show are a work of pure fan fiction and any views and opinions expressed in the episode discussions are my own or that of the guest they do not reflect the rights holders of star trek any star trek sound effects or music are used under the terms of fair use and are not my own work the intro music birthright by audio binger is royalty free from the free music archive Check out their work and others at freemusicarchive.com. The Temple Trek is a free podcast with no Patreon or sponsorship. However, if you would like to support the show, you can find my books by searching Daniel Peter Hitch on Amazon. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you in the next time stream.